And welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and we're about to start our encounter with God. We're going to get straight into our Bible study. Yes, the biggest Bible study right around the globe where we all join together. And this quarter we're studying education. And yesterday you missed an awesome Bible study because we went to one of my favorite stories, the story of worship found in Daniel chapter 3. Ah, okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and standing up for God no matter what. Mm. And as Lawson and I were discussing, in the back of my mind I'm thinking, it's not just the courage of these three boys to stand on the plan of Jura and not bow down to the statue. But what about the parents? Mm, the parents of those those men? Yeah, they went there. Of course, um, these boys are in captivity and the parents are either dead or uh, have been, the whole city has been sacked and ransacked. We don't know what yeah. happened to the parents. But, but I'm thinking the parents had to instill these values into the children to be able to, they had to tell them the stories yeah. and, and the things of God yeah. so that they knew that God was the sole person to be worshipped, the sole being in all the universe, the divine person um, in all, through all and be all. They had to learn that and they learned that at their parents' knee from mm, since they before were young. birth, before birth almost. Before birth, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so that leads quite nicely into today's um, study, which we're going out of Daniel. We're going to a book of worship. Ah. So we're leaving the story of worship. We're going to a book of worship. worship. Yep. And we're going to the book of Psalms. Now, the Psalms, we read them, we read them as almost as poetry. Yes. But the poems were actually sung. Would you like to sing them to read it and sing it for me today, Renee? Yeah, sure, I can do. That. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, these these um these psalms they were often um played in worship. Um, they had the instruments, their lyre and their harps and and zithers and all those lovely instruments they played. And they, a lot of these psalms were written by David, and they were sung in corporate worship. So when you read these psalms and thinking this is a psalm that they sang in corporate worship, it, it takes on a different meaning. So let's go, if you've got a Bible at home, turn with us to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. The book of Psalms 78. Okay. Yeah. And it's a psalm or a song of Asaph and Renee, could you read from verse 1? Sure, yes. So it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us we will not hide them from our children, telling that to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Verse 5, for he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. Verse 6, and that their generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may rise and declare them to their children. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So, this is the psalm they're singing, and 
What it's saying is it's a psalm about education. What do you think it's talking about, Renee? It sounds like it's te- telling, it's encouraging like parents to teach the next generation of God, uh, about God. Yeah. Um, and make them known to, to them. That's correct. Um, as the saying goes, and it's fairly true, the church is only ever one generation from extinction. Hmm. And God in his wisdom entrusted parents to pass on the stories and the things of faith to the next generation. Hmm. Um, kids, here's the thing. Research says that um, children will be as faithful as their parents are faithful. So that's scary news for me as a dad, but also as a pastor, is that um, Vern Bengston is a guy that did this study, and he spent his whole life studying generations. And what he discovered was that when everything else is taken into account, all the ins and outs and intricacies and, and what happens in family life, and there's so much happening in our families, but he said, tackle it to one side and look at the, the passing on of faith from generation to generation. Children are more likely to adopt the faith of their parents. Hmm. That's not the faith they see on on when they go to church and dust off their Bibles and act all churchy either. So, like, I know with recent studies, a lot of young people have been leaving the church. Yeah, we're losing, years. let's say, between 50%. That's, that's on the good side and up to 90%. Wow, that's, that's big numbers. Do you think that, that kind of relates to perhaps the way they were raised and their I parents? I think it has a lot to do with it, Renee. I'm a passionate for those who know me, a passionate children and family ministries person, mm. love reading and research, looking at this. And I guess I'm a bit selfish because I've got two children. Mm. And early in ministry, I said, if I get to heaven and my two aren't there, I would see my entire ministry as a failure. So mm. I come to this job and, and the reading and research seriously. It's like I'm more likely, it says, to lose one of them. Mm. Well, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I want to keep both of them. So I, I look at this and say, what can we do yeah. to keep our next generation in the church? And this is what the lesson today is talking about, yeah. is, is passing things on to the next generation. And the best person to do that is not the pastor, it's not the teacher, it's not the Bible worker or the youth worker. Research says it's the parent and mentors. Wow. If we can put um, five mentors in the life of our children alongside the parents, yeah. they're more likely to grow up and stay in the faith. That's five good mentors that are, are spiritual, not perfect, wow. but authentic. That's amazing. And that's research like going to, to show that. Yeah, yeah research is showing Ooh. that. And um, yeah, as I said, Vern Bengston spent his life just studying generations, and he studied both atheists and he studied... Christians and he studied yeah. Jews and yeah. he, he studied all the different um, religions and the same held truth for all of the different categories. Mm. Parents get what they are in the end, but it's not the, the, the faith on Sabbath. It's a faith in the 24-7 living. It's a faith mm. in their marriage. It's a faith in their workplace. It's a faith in their 24-7 living, in their discipline, in wow. their parenting. That's the faith that gets That's the faith that passes on. on. 
Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so this um this passage today is oh yes, it's right up my alley. In some ways. <laughs> um, so it says stories from old stories from past. And I could spend a whole section just talking about stories. Um, the saying goes, um, and it's from research: stories give our children the weapons they need to defeat the dragons. And the dragons are out there bring, want to bring our children down. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, um, I can resonate with that, definitely. Love Let's talk more after this. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So, stories, as I said before the break, give our children the weapons they need to defeat the dragon. And there's so much research on stories. What they're saying is, is that if children want to get identity... Give them stories. And not just any stories. Yes, we can read stories, but more importantly, the Bible stories. If we give our, read our children Bible stories, it's actually passing them on an identity that is thousands of years old. You know, that's very true. If anything, from knowing, from learning the Bible stories from when I was young, I've always come to realize that through God, we can be victorious. That's kind of what you just said. Stories give weapons to yep. children to defeat the dragon, right? And, and a dragon is, is um, all those things that are out there. And this day and age, it's, it's a lot of things that want to bring our children down. Um, mm. As, as um, I was reading recently in George Barner's book, um, Transforming Children, Spiritual Champs, said the enemy has plans for our children. The question is, do we? That's a sobering thought. <laughs> yeah. What are we planning? And the best way to do it, yeah. according to Psalms, what you've read now, uh-huh. is to tell stories. Tell stories. And you were talking about stories um, in the news this morning about um, yeah. about the Aboriginal yeah. um, stories being passed down from generation, generation, generation. Yes, yeah. It's the same for us. Um, if we want our kids to come to faith, one of the best things we can do is read stories and tell stories. Mm. Um, number one, stories of the Bible. That's important. Hear that story. Number two, stories of the church universal, the church being formed and, and the forefathers in the church and, and all those things. Stories of your church denominational. Why does your denomination exist? And what are the stories? about its founding, why is it here? And then coming down to more local level, stories of your church local. How was your church formed? Um, who were the forefathers? What are the stories that, that are in your church's history of your local church? But most importantly, and probably crucially, is children need to hear your story. Why are you a Christian and where has God come through for you? Mm. And when they hear these different levels of story, um, they're more likely to find their place in God's story and and have a robust mm. spiritual identity. Yeah, 
I can I can remember as a kid always asking my mom like mom how did you like for, I wanted to hear how she met my dad and then I guess from there she I learned how she how her relationship with God really developed um I don't know as a kid it was really inspiring it made me realize man I can be like that um I can get to know a God like that stories are really transformative they are. In fact, there's so much research around stories. I'm going to summarise some. Oh, of I want to hear now. it. I want to hear it from um, <laughs> Reading or telling a story is a shared brain experience. Did you know that they've done studies and, and replicated this in the lab? When a storyteller is telling a story, um, they've studied the brain patterns of the storyteller mm. and they've put the same little probes onto those listeners mm-hmm. And the same patterns in the listeners light up as the brain of the storyteller. Wow. They kind of like sync up, right? They sync up. Wow. And it's almost like those children are actually reliving the story now in real time. Uh So that's where it says ancient stories from of old. It's like they come to life. And they are reborn anew when a storyteller tells them to their children. Okay. And so when these children are reliving these stories, I guess it's it's sort of um, rewiring their thoughts, I guess. So if you're telling good stories with good morals and, and with characters with good that make good decisions, I guess that kind of teaches your, your, your children to... It's literally rewiring their rewi- brain. Rewiring their brain. That's amazing. Yeah. But, but also... As um, yesterday, I talked about um, the music advantage, and here we oh. remember this psalm okay. is is music, it's, uh, yeah, and it's a stories, yes. And so, when you combine music and story, uh-huh. it's far more powerful in in switching on the brain. Oh, do you think that the brain works differently when we <laughs> when we sing a song? I guess when we do play music, I don't know. I yeah, look it, it, it does. Um, I was talking yesterday about how um. When, when we um, teach our children music, when they, they beat the beat or when they play the recorder <laughs> or, or what, learn an instrument, and I graduated from the recorder to the flute, much to my parents' relief, my three brothers <laughs> learnt the trumpet, and that was horror. Three boys learning trumpet. We banned them all to the bathroom because that was the quietest part to get them away from. Have you ever someone trying to learn a trumpet? Yes, yes. It is disastrous. It's hot. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is like... Fingernails down a blackboard. I, I um, learnt the violin, and that that <laughs> you sound horrible for for about five years. Sound like a cat dying. It <laughs> really does. I don't know how my parents put up with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you combine story and music with the Bible story, the God mm. story, mm. you have something very, very, very powerful in passing on identity and passing stories to our children. But also, stories help us form language and help us form memories, according to research. Mm. Um, more research found that storytelling is a form of touch and connection. Interesting. That's why even during COVID shutdown, thank goodness for technology, where grandparents and parents have been able to, through technology, tell stories and read stories to their children. Mm. Um, especially during the lockdown. Of course, um, a lot of parents couldn't get access to their children and normally they'll get access every second weekend, especially when families are broken apart for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, when I was driving weekend, there were so many parents I saw on the road driving to catch up with their kids. Mm. But using technology, 
And storytelling is a form of touch and connection. I love that. Stories also generate feelings of empathy and trust in our children. I want my children to be empathetic. I want them to have a feeling of trust, trust in in God and, and following him. And stories generate that. Stories also enable memorization and retention of content. Not just um, the story, mm. but because you're reading a story, they get better at maths. They get better at spelling. They get better at writing stories and telling stories. Um, all parts of life get improved when we tell stories. Yeah, yeah. That's so connective. Stories connect. Yeah. Stories also impart values in a non-confrontational way. Okay, wait. What do you mean by that? Well, let's say... Um, when you read the stories of the Bible, there's some pretty powerful stories there and some weird stories. Yes. And um, what it's saying is that the values, we don't have to tell our children the values. The values are implied in the story. Mm. And so we tell the story like yesterday of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We are encouraging our children to dare to stand for right no matter what. Mm. that's implied. You don't need to say it. And the moral is, I don't know, when, when I've been doing children's stories sometimes, I've learned not to tell morals because you tell the story and the kids are captivated. Then you say, and the moral, and the kids all switch off and, <laughs> yeah. and start whirling around the floor and mucking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. So saying don't moralise, don't try and say, now what is a value? No. Kids get it. The stories just, will do that. Just tell the story. Just tell the story. <laughs> yeah, just tell the story. I love that. Mm. Um, and the value is they'll dare to be like Daniel. They'll have the courage to stand. Um, they'll have the resilience of Paul. They'll have the patience of Job. Um, mm. Yeah, and they'll learn about God's grace and love for them mm. through how he cared for the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Bible. Yeah. So just tell or read the stories. And I'm going to get a big plug right now. <laughs> the best way to read the Bible stories to your kids is to get my Bible story by Arthur Maxwell. It's an old book. It's been a whole series, but it was on my bookshelf when I was a kid. It was on my bookshelf as well. (laughs) Yes. And if you talk to your local Better Books and Food or Adventist Book Centre mm. or find a local literary evangelist, they travel, still travel doing door-to-door work. Yes, yeah. You can invest in one of the best ways to read these stories to your kids. Mm. If you can't find one of those people that can help you, give us a call at Faith FM 0491 and we can help you find that set. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are studying along with thousands, literally thousands and thousands, probably, I don't know, how many? I would say thousands, <laughs> maybe millions. 20,000, I think it is, or more than that. It's, it's, it's literally... 20 literally million, actually. 20, no, not 20,000, sorry. It's 20 million. Yeah. So we are part of a 20 million people Bible study right now, looking at education, looking at stories and passing on story to generation. I want to finish off quickly the research. Stories give our children the opportunity, according to research, to touch something that is eternal and significant mm. when we read them stories, especially the Bible story. And of course, earlier, stories give our children the weapons they need to defeat the dragons, and the dragons are out there. The dragon, yeah, yeah. 
So, <laughs> read stories, tell stories. It's a nerd for the break. Uncle Arthur's or Arthur Maxwell's My Bible Story, I believe, is the best way to read these stories to your kids just before they go to bed. Yeah. Tuck them in, hear about their day, and leave them with a story. That's right, yeah. And, and let them draw out the lessons for themselves. That's right. Don't moralise. Don't moralise because they'll know. They're smart enough to figure it out. They, they get it. Yeah. And and it passes on an identity that rebounds down to eternity. Mm. But how do we do that? Let's go back to our Psalms. Okay. We got down to verse 6. Yes. We read verse 6. So let's read from verse 7 till I stay stop. Okay. So we're on Psalms chapter 78. And you said to read at verse 7. So it's 7 onwards, yep. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders and he, that he had shown them. Mar- verse 12. Yep, Marvelous things. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters stand up like a heap. In the daytime he led them with the cloud, and in the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness, he gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him, by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. Let's stop there. So what's this telling us here is what are the specific lessons are saying we need to teach our children what do you think it's talking about it's it's talking about well it's telling basically a a fast forward story of the israelites and their rebellion and disobedience to god but it also talks about god's faithfulness to them and how god provided for them and protected them yep you're spot on our children need to know and the story of Israel and the, the Exodus really teaches us that God never, ever, ever gives up on you. He's there. And, and he, he led them through. And I don't know, if you were one of the Israelites coming through the desert, you start there and you, God rescues you from slavery and you come out through a miracle and you cross the, the sea. Moses holds out his, his, his rod mm-hmm. and you, you cross you cross over on dry land. Yeah. You turn around and see the whole army defeated by God. You need to lift a finger mm-hmm. apart from Moses' rod. Mm. Then you have manna falling out of heaven. I don't know. Every morning there's food there. Yeah. You'll say, yeah, this is pretty powerful. You see a pillar of um, cloud by day and a fire by night mm. leading you. You know that is God that's leading you. He even says, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So they bring their their jewellery and, and their goods and they build this beautiful sanctuary. They're putting the furniture and, and God, the Shekinah glory mm. actually glows in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. Don't you think you would say, I've got nothing to worry about here. Absolutely. We will never forget this. Yeah, yeah. This is something we need to tell our kids about. Yeah. In fact, when they cross over the Jordan into um, the land, the promised land, they're told there, take rocks 
out of the middle of the Jordan and build an altar there of rocks so that when your children pass by, they can ask you, what are these rocks for? And you can tell them Mm. all these stories. Mm. Yeah. And they'll look back and say, what went wrong? When When you read through the Bible, it's a story of the people coming to God. They tell the story to their kids. Then the next generation forgets Mm. and they turn away and you go through the judges and you go through the books of Kings and Samuel and and all those and you find this constant backwards and forwards of telling God's story and remembering God's story and... And then forgetting and turning away. Forgetting and turning away. And it is such a tragedy that parents forget to tell stories. Yeah. And that's what I think it's talking about. Mm. It also talks about the fact that we need to um, tell um, our kids the commandments. That's central to the story is the commandments. In verse 7 it says, um, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And I guess teaching our kids what life is all about and the Ten Commandments are classic. They're telling us, how to live life to the full, serve God, and then care for others. And that's what the Ten Commandments are really talking about. That's what Jesus mm-hmm. said. Love the Lord your God for your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then love your neighbour as yourself. yourself. That is the story. That's what the stories are teaching mm. our children from one generation to the next. Yeah. And it's interesting that when you forget these stories, um, the result is rebellion and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's turning away from God. And, but like you said, God never leaves, never leaves his children. He's always there. And I want my children to be in heaven with me. So I will tell stories. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And now it's time for... Question of the day. And the question of the day today uh, is a really fun question. It says, will our pets be in heaven? Oh, yes. This is uh, one I get asked quite regularly as a pastor. Yeah. Did you know that I have actually done pet funerals? Oh, I didn't know that. But For that's really some cool. people, their, their dog or their cat is like a child that's to them. Right. yeah. And, and they're just so upset when that animal passes away that I've, I've been known to do pet <laughs> funerals for them. Wow. Um, but, yeah, um, our pets are special. I'm a pet lover. I have 100 chooks, and some of them are – chooks are actually quite intelligent. Um, it's interesting when you have chooks in your yard, their characteristics <laughs> and what they do. We've got one rooster that – he doesn't like his hands in the backyard, which is the purebred ones I want to breed. No. <laughs> he jumps the fence to the front yard and gets with the crossbred eyes of browns. <laughs> That's not allowed. <laughs> That's not allowed and not on, but he does it every day. But, yeah, I have dogs and we have – daughter has guinea pigs. Do you have cats? We don't have a cat at no. the moment. My son has a cat and he's like a child to them. I have a, a grand cat, a not grand- a grandchild at the moment. <laughs> But will our pets be in heaven? Well, the answer is, the Bible doesn't really say. But here are some clues. Here are some things to think about. Number one, God created 
everything. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So pets is God's will. Mm. He created them and he called them good. Mm -hmm. Now I should say, that we are the only beings created in the image of God. Pets are not. But God gave us pets for our enjoyment and as companions, if you like, on this earth. But when Jesus came to earth, he said this in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Hmm. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So he's saying to us, don't worry, God cares for you. But it says that not even a sparrow falls. Now, sparrows are pretty useless creatures. They're pests. They eat my silver beet. They breed like rabbits and... For me, they're useless. But but the fact that God... <laughs> but the fact that Jesus says, I see one fall. Yeah. And I notice. Uh-huh. He cares. He cares, yeah. He cares for animals. He cares for us. But he also cares for animals. But then, when you go to Isaiah, have a vision of the kingdom of heaven. And Isaiah is saying that in heaven, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. In heaven, there's a vision of animals, pets, Mm. and us being with them. Now, I don't know if they're our pets or the pets or something even better is in heaven, but we need to remember When you read in Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Whatever it is, Heaven's going to be awesome and worth it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.